Holy Spirit, we, we thank you for your presence here this morning. Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, and, but much more than that, being raised up. Resurrection power. And ascending to the right hand of the Father. Behold, he's not here. He's not in the tomb any longer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I love how Jesus even asked Mary, he said, woman, what are you doing here? She said, they've taken my Lord. Then he opened her eyes. Jesus, I pray that you would open our eyes this morning to let us know that you're not dead, but you're alive. You're not in the tomb, but you are <laughs> making appearances to people <laughs> just like you did thousands of years ago. You still do it today. And we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you said it's better that you ascend to the right hand of the Father and send the Holy Spirit. Lord, we trust your wisdom. <laughs> There's times where I wish that I could see you, Jesus, and, but you said it's better to, for us to have the Holy Spirit. So we trust your leadership, Jesus. We know one day we're going to see you face to face without hindrance. Somebody say amen. Thank you, God. Y'all can be seated. Amen. It's a good day. It's a good day. Um, we've got a, a baby blessing this morning, which are always fun. And before we get into that, um, I want to just make a quick another quick plug for next Sunday and this upcoming Friday my good friend Mark Snyder if you uh, didn't catch it the announcements he's the worship leader at Convergence Church the Awakening is a church plant out of Convergence in Fort Worth Texas and Mark's a great friend of mine we used to play basketball once or twice a week together for like two years and uh, we we did a bunch of stuff together we we're prayer partners. We were to get together, regularly pray together. Um, I was uh, one of his backup vocals on the worship team. You know, we had, we had moves, and I'm just teasing about that, but uh, we did move. It just wasn't coordinated, but, um, but he is one of the best uh, at activating people into a, like a deeper level of worship, like teaching you how to worship. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's like you don't know what you don't know, and, and, and when you have something modeled for you, it's a lot easier to go in that direction, too. So it's like, oh, yeah, I just, I didn't even know that was available. I didn't know that was allowed, you know, and so 
Mark's really good at helping you kind of expand the borders of, of your heart as far as worshiping the Lord. And that's part of one of the primary calls on our church is to, we're a worshiping community. Blake and I were talking yesterday about how um, Blake's, the Lord spoke to him and said, you know, don't be just a worship band, be a band of worshipers. And that's really our heart is uh, every one of us to go deeper and grow in our, in our, in our worship of the Lord personally and, and corporately. So really, really encourage you Friday night at, at Jessica and I's house in Farmington, 2791 Old Farmington Road, but uh, it's up there. And we're just going to worship in the house and just see what, see what God does. We, we used to call those nights, Waste the Night on Jesus. And uh, so we'll, we'll be doing that. And then Sunday morning, Mark's going to be lead, He's going to be leading worship. He's going to be speaking. He's just kind of got full reign to do whatever he wants. But just pre- be prepared to be for your tent pegs to like spread out further and for your territory and, and the area of worship to, to expand because that's what he does. All right. Um, so we got Warner Larkins. Come on down, buddy. Hey, buddy. This is one of our favorite things at the awakening, ba- blessing the babies. Yeah, if you're, f- if you're family with Bo and Amber, you can come on up here too as well. <laughs> if you want to stand with them, you, are, you can do whatever you want to, but if you, you're welcome to stand with them. You know, there's, uh, I was saying this uh, maybe last week or a couple weeks ago, but blessing babies and blessing children is in the Bible. It's biblical. There's all kinds of references you could, we could use for that. But um, we just believe that even like it, when babies are in the womb or when they're like Warner's age, their spirit understands what's going on. They may not understand with their mind all the words that are being said, but, but uh, words carry spirit on them. All right, and uh, just like God's words have the His Spirit on them, our words can carry Spirit for good or for bad. But when we choose to bless, it's powerful. And um, so we want to pray for Warner. And I had just I was asking the Lord just uh, for one or two words for 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 Warner, and literally just words. And I, the two words I heard were stalwart and unshakable. And uh, I just feel like He's going to be a real man of strength in his faith and just be able to really stand firm and not be wavered, which is, going to, is really important. All right. Yeah. Check this out. I'm about to pray that over you. I don't know you like that. Well, Warner Larkins, I call your spirit to attention in the name of Jesus Christ, and I bless you with identity and legitimacy. Warner, God made you special. He crafted and created, and you're designed by God, your Father. He planned for you. You are no accident. Your Father made you beautiful and beloved. I bless you with knowledge of your purpose, Warner. I bless you with being everything God designed you to be. I bless you with fulfilling your purpose and carrying out God's work with honor, peace, and joy. I bless you with knowing that God fights for you. Father, God intended for you to rest in peace as he takes care of your enemies. I bless you with your ways being so pleasing to the Lord 
in such a profound way that your enemies will live at peace with you and seek out your God. I bless you with an awareness of God's presence. I bless you with the great joy that comes from the presence of God, sensing him watch, watching over your life. I bless you with the ability to trust God. I bless you with experiencing your father's faithfulness, his faithful love toward you, for your emotions to be aware, to know, to savor, to feel, and to relish the love of your father and how he expresses that towards you. I bless you with the joy of the Lord, Warner. I bless you with knowing so profoundly the pleasure he has in you that the opposition of other people means nothing. I bless you in the name of the laughing God of Zephaniah 317. I bless you as an obedient child. I bless you with the joy of obedience and realizing that obedience is a joy and it's not a bondage. I bless you with the unique joy of obeying your father in great detail because you're motivated by love. I bless your place in the new generation who will blot out the old bondage of legalism. And the world will see you in the complete merging of obedience and love. I bless you with favor in your walk. I bless you with favor with authorities and favor in the marketplace. I bless you with favor even with people who are enemies of Christ and the cross. I bless you with freedom from the fear of man. I bless you with going to the word of God and seeing specific promises he has made to you, standing on them and savoring the joy, security, and excitement that comes when your father answers your prayers based on specific promises. I bless you with such confidence in your identity as a child of God that you can truly say, if God is for me, who can be against me? I bless you with hunger for God. I bless you with having a fresh manifestation of the power of God in your day. I bless you with igniting such a measure of hunger and holiness in your family, your community, and your nation that many will experience a visitation of God. I bless you to find God's word and eat it, and it would become the joy and delight of your heart. I bless you with strength in your spirit for each day. I bless you with meeting God daily, spirit to spirit. I bless you to be born again and receive the spirit of life. I bless you to have Christ dwell in your heart through faith and to be rooted and grounded in love. Warner, I bless you with faith, hope, and love. I bless you with the faith that loving Jesus produces. I bless you with being fully satisfied that God is keeping his word to you, no matter how long it takes or how contrary your circumstances may look. I bless you with a strong sense of standing on a solid rock of God's faithfulness and timing. I bless you with unshakable, irrepressible hope. I bless you with a spirit of wisdom and understanding and for you to have eyes to see and ears to hear. I bless you to be humble, meek, pure in heart and, and poor in spirit. I bless you to know that God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. I bless you to know the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So now, Bowen Amber, as Warner's parents, do you commit to teaching him and guiding him in the ways of the Lord all the days of his life? We do. Yes. Amen. All right, let's extend your hands towards Warner and Bo and Amber. We're going to pray for them. Father, we thank you for the Larkins, God. We thank you for their heart for you, their desire to raise Warner in the, in the ways of the Lord. And I pray that you would give them wisdom as parents, Father. I pray that you would just show them the way that Warner should go. 
Father, every child is different, as you know. You created us unique and special, and I just pray that you would give them that supernatural wisdom from heaven, that, that they would guide and direct him where you want him to go. Father, we bless that the past, Lord, that there would be, as Warner makes choices in his life, that he would, whether he turns to the right or to the left, he would hear the voice of the Lord behind, behind him saying, this is the way, walk in it. Father, we pray that he would have radical love encounters with Jesus. And Lord, that he would, he would love people well. And many people would come to know Jesus through his life. Father, we, we declare your protection and your blessing upon this house. The, we plead the blood of Jesus over this house, Father, and declare the blessing of the Lord is over it. Lord, we thank you for them. And Father, we just call forth the blessings in Warner's life. We call forth the blessings of a thousand generations before him. From the best side of the family and the Larkin side of the family, we say, come forth blessings into Warner's life. Thank you, God, for his inheritance, for the legacy that has gone before him, and for the one that he will create. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you. I can be seated. All right, grab a sip of water here. I'll give a quick testimony. Uh, yesterday we had um, Easter egg hunt at our house, and it was, it was a lot of fun. We had a bunch of kids and parents and other, other folks came out, and it was... Um, it was a really good time. And the guy that came and set up and took down the inflatable houses that we had, we had a ski ball. We had an inflatable ski ball, and Animal Kingdom was like a toddler jump house. But I'm, I'm, I want to tell you this story because of just how God uses your attempts to love people. Like you do not have to get it perfect. You don't have to be smooth in your delivery and, and whatnot. Um, God chooses, he, he usually chooses people that don't want to talk in the first place. You know, it's, he chose Moses. Moses, I got a stutter. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even want to talk to Pharaoh. You know, he's like, you're, you're perfect. Perfect for the job. But the guy, he was, he was a young, uh, black man about 20 years old and I had a the Lord gave me a picture of him of these dull scissors and you're just having to we've got a pair of dull scissors at our house and we, you can't cut a piece of string with those things and uh, and I just saw him kind of bearing down having to use a lot of force but God was also wanting to bring him into alignment and and so I told him I said hey man I, before you leave I got a, a word for you and God tells me good things about people and I just want to share it with you and I said, you know, I see you have this picture of scissors and, and you're, you're trying to like really, really hard to cut with this dull pair of scissors and God just wants to sharpen the scissors instead of you having to use a lot of force and strength. And I told him Ecclesiastes 10.10, 10, which is one of my favorite verses, and it's, 
It says, uh, if the axe is dull and you do not sharpen its edge, you have to exert more strength. But wisdom has the advantage of giving success. And I said, I feel like God's bringing you to alignment. I, uh, even with what he's called you to and what you're created for, I feel like you've got some creative gifts in you. I don't know if it's dancing or, or you're an artist or whatnot. And um, he said, yeah, man, it's, it's funny you're saying that. He said, I don't know about the creative thing, but um, he said, I haven't been practicing track like I should. And I've just been hanging out with my buddies, doing out what teenagers do, and I just haven't been putting in the work to, for my track. You know, my track coach has been texting me, and he says, I've just been, I've been thinking about that lately, that I need to put the work in. And, and so, like, the creative thing I had wasn't, didn't even really hit home with him. But the word did, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm just, it's, it's, my, it's my loaves and fishes that I'm just giving to the Lord. Hey, God, this is, the, this is what I'm trying, to, I'm trying to love on this guy. I'm trying to let him know that you love him, that you see him. And he was really blessed by the word that I gave him. And I got to pray for him. I asked him, I said, do you know Jesus? He went, oh, yeah, man. Mama made sure I knew, knew Jesus. And... Uh, so just got to bless them and, and send them off. But I just, I say that just to encourage you. I, you know, it's, if you, you may stutter while you give the word, you may forget what you're saying. You may be like, uh, um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like God's going to use your loaves and fishes. He's just asking that you just kind of step out of the boat, keep your eyes on them. And, and it's, he's the one that, that makes it work anyway. So just take a risk on the Lord. Um, I want to talk about, you know, Jesus's last words on the cross where he said, it is finished. And in the King James, he said, it is finished. And he, he gave up the ghost. He, he says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Other translations says that. But I want to start in uh, Colossians chapter 2. Hey, so will you uh, turn that? contrast down or whatever that is. Thank you, sir. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 says, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. That's, you could like spend six months on that right there. Alone. I want to talk about what, having canceled out the certificate of debt in particular, we're going to kind of focus in on that. So canceled debt. So when you were dead, you were spiritually dead, until Jesus made you alive with him. So we're all born into the world. We're born of the flesh, but we're also born with that sin nature. And it says the wages of sin is death. And so, you know, there's a lot of zombie TV shows and zombie movies out, and it's the walking dead. That's really what we are until Jesus comes into us and gives us new life. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, you are a new creation now. You've been given new life. You're, the, the spirit inside of you has been regenerated. 
And so you, I believe the Bible says we're, we're like a three-part being. You have your body, your physical body. You have your soul, which I believe is like your mind, will, and emotions. And you have your spirit, man. And so when Jesus came into your life, the Holy Spirit came, he made new your spirit. That's the new creation part. Your soul is that flesh, that old man that the Bible talks about that has to die so that your new spirit man could be seen. And it's it's like the soul man's getting in the way. And so when you rip back, so when Jesus died and said the, the, the veil was torn, it's like that, that, that old man, the flesh, and that uh, soulish man was torn back so that the, your spirit could be revealed. Does that make sense? So you're, you're a brand new creation in Christ in your spirit. But when it says that we die daily, we take up our cross, you die to self. What does that mean? It means that old man, that soul man has to die so that the mind of Christ, the actions of Christ can all be seen. Okay. So we're spiritually dead until Jesus makes us alive together with him. How many of your transgressions has God forgiven? He's forgiven them all. I said he canceled out the certificate of debt that was hostile towards us. So the law exposes sin when Jesus gave the Ten Commandments. Do not murder. Do not worship any other gods before me. Do not covet. All, all the Ten Commandments. What it did was it exposed our need for a Savior. Because <laughs> nobody can keep those perfectly. All right, every one of us in here, whether you know it or not, we've, commit, we've broken one of those Ten Commandments. And then Jesus takes it up a notch. He says, you heard it said, do not commit murder. And, it, and then he says, I tell you, anyone who hates his brother has already committed murder in his heart. And he says, you... And he, also, he says, when you have lusted after a woman, you have already committed adultery. Because Jesus is not, he's looking to lay the axe to the root. Adultery is a fruit. Murder is a fruit. Am I right? Because what preceded both of those things? The intention of your heart. So Jesus, he's looking to lay the ax to the, to the root of the problems. That's why he says, if you hate your brother, you've already committed murder. If you've lusted, you've already, already committed adultery. So he's, he's coming after the heart. And the, way, the wages of sin is death, as we said. So the ancient Greek word translated wiped out, it's a compound of the word to anoint and the prefix that means completely. So the idea is that something was completely wiped over. And in the ancient world, the term was used of whitewashing a wall or overlaying a wall with gold. So the accusations against us were completely wiped away and covered over. You just, I just like that, the picture of anointing, of just God's anointing oil. And when you come into Christ, you come into the anointing of Jesus Christ. You're hidden in him, and it's washing you clean, making you look just like the Lord because of his blood is washing you clean. So against the believer, what weapons do demonic spirits therefore now have? Because in Colossians it says he, he disarmed them. So what, is, what weapons did they have in the first place that they could attack us with? Because if he disarmed them, they had, that, they had some weapons. They're, they're mainly disarmed from their ability to deceive and create fear. 
because Holy Spirit's come. He's the spirit of truth. God is love. Love displaces fear. And so demons, they only have power towards us that we grant them by believing their lies. Their weapons are in our hands, not theirs. So when Jesus was being tempted in the desert for 40 days and, and nights by the devil, what was the devil trying to make him believe? He was just trying to make him believe lies about even himself. If you are the son of God, throw yourself from this cliff. I mean, if you, got, if you really have angels, he's saying things that are true, right? Jesus has angels at his disposal. Jesus said that. He said, I, you know, I could call a legion of angels right now, but I, I'm not. I submit myself to this. If you're really the son of God, turn this rock into bread. You know, and Jesus was tempted in every way that we're tempted, but he didn't, he didn't fall victim to the lies of the devil. He chose not to believe even the lies that the devil is trying to make Jesus believe about himself. And so the devil comes at you. He wants you to believe lies about yourself. And he'll use the law against you. The devil is a legalist. And so anytime you hear that, you, that voice that says, you got to do more, you got to do more, you're not doing enough, it's not enough, it's not enough, it's not enough, that's the voice of the accuser. Because Jesus... He paid it all. He did enough. He was the perfect sacrifice. You know, I was going through some prayer ministry years ago, about 15 years ago, if not longer than that. I can't remember when it was, but I had this, um, I had somehow thought I needed to be the Savior for all, all my friends and family. And so what that looked like was not really. I had an agenda with people. <laughs> Has anybody, have you ever had an agenda for somebody else in your life? <laughs> oh, I know what's best for you. I'm going to try to make this happen. And so when we, when we do that, we start taking away people's choice, and it just gets all slimy and messy. And so I was trying to do that. I was trying to get everybody in my family saved. I was trying to get all my friends saved. Now, in, in and of that that's not wrong. I mean, it's, you, desire, you, want, you want people to get saved. You want people to know Jesus. But I was, it was like putting a heavy yoke on people. It was like, listen, man, you got, it, was, it was not about anything relational. I just had this an agenda. I wasn't even, I couldn't even love them where they at. They had to change for me to love them. All right? They had to change for me to love them. And I had this picture when I was going through uh, some inner healing ministry I had a Superman outfit on, and I was, you know, the, the camera, I always call it the camera and the vision, but the camera was like up high in the clouds, and I was doing the one-armed Superman thing, and I was just flying, and I was going fast, and I was strong, and had my cape on and everything, and then all of a sudden, I stopped, and it was like, what's going on? And I had this chain around my ankle, and this chain was pulling me back to earth, and I was like, no, 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 no. And I was starting to panic. Reach your arm out, babe. And so my arm is reaching towards heaven like this. And this big old hand went, whoosh, just grabbed my forearm and just began pulling me slowly. And that chain was getting tighter and tighter. And it just snapped under that steady pull. And when, 
the hand pulled me up, it was Jesus. And I was full grown like I am now. But Jesus was huge. He was like you imagined me with the robes and brown hair and beard. And he was holding me under my arms. I mean, he was like I was just a little child. And so I'm a full-grown man in my Superman outfit. And he's holding me under my, under my arms, and he just smiles at me. And he does this. Tosses me high like I toss my kids. I went out of the picture, and when I came back down, I was a little boy. And what the Lord said to me, and even I had a friend, basically, as I was getting this vision, my friend said, God doesn't need another Savior. He's already got one. And the Lord told me, he says, I don't want you to be strong. He said, I just want you to be a little boy and know, and know that I love you. And it's out of that place of, of being a son, being a little boy with a great big father. You know, we, Jesus and the Father are so one with each other that in Isaiah 9, that's the scripture, it says, a child will be born to us and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. And it says Eternal Father. It's describing Jesus. Why is Jesus called, being called a father in Isaiah 9? It's because... I mean, he is a father. Every true son becomes a father. But he's so one with the father that he's, it's like you see, you see Jesus, you see the father. That's what he said in John 14 and many other places. So the de demons only have as much power as we, we give them agreement with. And I'd agree, and I'd come into this thing believing the lie that it's my responsibility to save the world when it's Jesus' responsibility. So our beliefs create strongholds for God or strongholds for the devil. It's our choice. The sword of the enemy pierced his own heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, it says, We speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So I think sometimes we give the devil way too much credit. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's not everywhere at the same time. He doesn't have all these attributes that God, he's not the evil version of God. He's much lower. <laughs> he's, he's got limited power. And so he thinks he's got a victory when he's nailing Jesus to the cross. When actually God says, I'm going to use death to defeat death. That's the way God works. I'm going to use death to defeat death. And I'm going to use my own son. That just blows me away every time I think about that. I'm going to send my own. But God's so confident in himself he says, I'm going to send my son. He's going to pay the price. He's going to experience separation from me as he bears the sins of the world on the cross. He's going to experience what it's like to be separated from his father. But I'm going to raise him up again. And he will be, and he'll never be separated from me again. But Jesus had to, he had to undergo that because he had to be tempted. 
He had to undergo everything that you and I experience. We've been separated from God at some point in our life. Some of you may be separated from God right now, but he wants, he wants you to know. Psalm 37, it says, the sword of the enemy pierces his own heart. And so this, the devil raised up that sword against Jesus. And Jesus just, I just imagine him taking that. I take a martial art class and we talk about center line. I just imagine the, Jesus, or the devil coming with a sword and you just step off center line and Jesus just took that sword, took the, the momentum and just went right back into your heart, man. It went right back into the enemy's heart. So death defeated death when Jesus was crucified. Isaiah 55 says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Everybody say abundance. Jesus came to give you abundant life. He didn't, came for you, he didn't come for you to squeak by in life. You're more than conquerors. You bring the kingdom wherever you go. Nobody is safe from a blessing. This past Friday, I was walking to Earth Fair from Fitness at Five where I do some of my training. And I was just, as I was walking, I was saying, nobody's safe from a blessing. Nobody's safe from a blessing. I saw this woman with a cane. I went over there. She had just had two knee replacement surgeries. Prayed for her knees, and uh, then I got to pray with her. I got to got to love on her. Told the uh, the woman working the register at Earth Fair, I was like, "Hey, you've got an amazing smile," and her name was Destiny. Uh, and anyways, but I, she was like, "Thank you so much." And as I was just getting my groceries, I just said, "Destiny, Jesus loves you," and she went. Thank you. You know, she had a long line. I wasn't going to hold her up very much. So I was just going to throw a little, little gospel bomb at her. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Now it explodes inside of her spirit. Now she's forever going to be haunted by the Holy Ghost if she doesn't know. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me? She's not going to be able to shake it. Has anybody ever been haunted by the Holy Ghost? Like where you hear a phrase and it just does, it never goes away. You think about it almost every day. That's happened to me many, many times. So how do you pay for something when you have no money? Somebody buys it for you. Somebody paid for it. So therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So this, word, this phrase, it is finished, is actually one Greek word. It's called tetelestai. So when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't say this in Greek, but he said tetelestai. It's one word. And we go back to Colossians 2. It says that the, he canceled the certificate of debt. Now, back in, 
Middle Eastern culture, whatever you owed would be handwritten on this certificate. And it, was, it had all your debts on it. And they would nail it up in the market square so everybody could know, hey, Travis Gay, he owes this much money to so-and-so. He owes this much money to this guy. And everybody knew it was, you could see it. And when you were, when that got paid out, that's when they took whatever it was and a lot of the, the things that they wrote with could be erased over. So they, I don't know how they did it, but it says they just, they'd wipe it out, just like Colossians 2 says. And a lot of times what they would do on that, that piece of paper is they would write tetelestai, the same word that's, that's used for it is finished. And tetelestai means it's paid in full. So imagine Jesus on the cross, his last words, he yells, paid in full. Paid in full. Imagine I just imagine like an earthquake happening in hell <laughs> where he yelled paid in full. Like terror seizing de demons, fear seizing de demons, them, them trembling because Jesus yelled paid in full from the cross. That was his last words, paid in full. Every, all of our sin paid in full. The price for any torment paid in full. The price for your healing, paid in full. The price for your depression, paid in full. He, because he says he takes mourning and turns it into gladness. It's paid in full. Jesus paid it all. That's how you purchase something without any money. It's because somebody came in and said, I'm going I'm to take care of this certificate of debt. And the law said, you owe this because you, you're a sinner. You owe death. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus came and paid the price for you, stood in your place. So what was Jesus' motivation to pay for our sins in full? It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For, so who so loved the world? It said God. It said the Father did. Jesus loved his father. And so he loves what his father loves. So Jesus loved us, but he loved his father also. He said, I want to obey my father. My father's saying, will you go die for the sins of humanity? And Jesus said, yes. But, in, but Jesus also loves what his father loves. So it wasn't just like him just obeying the father. He loves each and every one of us because the father does. So Jesus came to show us the father. So fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So how do we become more like Jesus? It says we fix our eyes on Jesus, okay? The next question is, what is Jesus fixing his eyes on? They're on the Father. He says, I do nothing apart from my Father. It was God's idea to send Jesus. He said, for, it was the Father's idea for God so loved the world. Jesus said yes. Because Jesus is, the, is the, our example of how to live life. 
So we say yes to the Lord when he asks us to do something. Jesus said yes to the Father. And in the process, he knew the love of the Father from the beginning of time. But from our perspective, when we say yes, we understand how much Father loves us, and we understand what he loves. So we become more like Jesus by fixing our eyes on Jesus. His eyes are fixed on the Father. And he's the perfect representation of God. And so I want to, part of what I'm doing is I'm, I want to shift gears of, I believe revival is coming to Athens. And I believe it's going to be a revival of the Father's love, a representation, a, a people experiencing the love of the Father. They'll just, it's not going to be absent of Jesus. Jesus is going to lead us to the Father. That's why he came. But Jesus is, it's like he's saying, let me introduce you to my Father. Because when we see him, we see the Father. Now, Jesus in Matthew 28, he gave the great commission. He says, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Spirit, and the name of the Father. So he's, in, to me, he's talking about three baptisms, three encounters almost that you could have the, the baptism of Jesus water baptism that every believer is to obey representing following Jesus in the death and also following him in, into new life you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit that the Bible talks about where now when you receive Jesus the Holy Spirit comes into you upon salvation the baptism of the Holy Spirit is you get more <laughs> you get he's, he's not only in you but he's on you not for just yourself, but for other people. So he, he endues you with, with power and, the, and gifts. And then you have the baptism of the Father, which is a revelation and, uh, and an experience of, of the love of God, where you just are like that vision I had where you're just a little boy, you're a little girl in the arms of your father, and it's an unconditional love like you've never experienced before. And so I believe that, that last baptism, the Father's, the baptism of the Father's love is, is really what's coming in the next revival. And you, you, talk, you look at church history at a glance. The first 300 years of Christianity after Jesus died, it was, there was persecution. There was, the church was walking in power. They were walking in, in fellowship. And uh, the gospel thrived. Then you have from somewhere between 306 and 337 A.D., Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. And so roughly 200, after, uh, 200 years after that, apathy began to set in in the church. It became, inst the church became institutionalized and, and a part of the government, really. And so after, the, once that apathy and the, and the fire started burning out, we came into a thousand years of dark ages where it was, it was like it said in 1 Samuel, it said the voice of the Lord was rare. And um, there wasn't a lot of revelation. And then 1517, Martin Luther pops onto the scene and he posts 95 theses about salvation through, through faith by grace, not through works. Okay? That was, a, that was a big shift. So that was a revelation of Jesus. All right? It was like a... It's like, oh, we're coming, we got it. we're starting back at the beginning. 
revelation of Jesus, salvation through faith by grace. All right? And then 1906, you had Azusa Street Revival, and this is where Pentecostalism spreads throughout the world, which is really people began to discover the, rediscover the power of the Holy Spirit again. You have people before that as well, but this is when it really hit the majority of the, of the body of Christ. So people are recognizing and, and pursuing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then you had the early 1990s. It was called the Renewal Movement. And that's where the beginnings of people started having a revelation of the Father's love. You have Jack Frost, Jack Arnott, um, John Arnott, excuse me, and uh, some other guys that we don't have time to really go into. So there's, here's the revival pattern. The full gospel being lived out during the time of Acts in the early church. Salvation through faith. Martin Luther helped spearheading that. John Calvin as well. Revival of the grace of Jesus Christ. 1800s to the 1900s. Rediscovery of the power of the Holy Spirit. Azusa Street. John G. Lake. Smith Wigglesworth. Amy Simple McPherson. Catherine Kuhlman. And the renewal until now. Revelation of Father's love. Jack Frost and many others. So Jesus, he said, I came forth from the Father. So I really want you to get that how connected Jesus and the Father are. Because sometimes we have a different picture of Jesus than we do of the Father. Jesus is like an older brother. Sometimes he can be a friend, and he is those things. But when we think of God the Father, we're like, whoa, he's distant, and I don't really, you know, he's kind of far off. Or he may feel like author more authoritarian, or he may feel um, un like he's uninterested in you. And Jesus is just like the good guy that saved you from the Father. It's not true. Jesus and the Father are one. Holy Spirit is one. Holy, it says in John, Holy Spirit doesn't say one thing that he doesn't hear from the Father. Holy Spirit's not on a rogue mission in the, in the earth. He's doing what he hears the Father telling him to do. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. Say, the Father himself loves me. Say it again. <laughs> because you have loved me and have believed that I come forth, came forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. So it began with the gospel began with the Father, and it's going to end with the Father. Okay? It was God's idea. It was the Father's idea. He is, he wants you to know that he loves you, he's kind, he's patient. Jessica used to, Jessica has an amazing dad, an amazing dad, one of the most generous men, loving, loves her, grand, is a great grandfather, but all of our fathers fall short of God the Father, and I just, Jessica every now and then just says, God's not Bill Mathis, you know, God's not Merle Gay, God's not whoever your, your father is, your dad's, our dads do the best, you know, they can for the most part, most of your dads. 
but we're, we, we fall short of the glory of God. And so every one of you, there's, there's a place in your heart, no matter how good or bad your parents are, that God's, he's jealous of being your father. He's jealous of being your father. And, and God sends mentors into your life. He sends father figures. He sends mother figures into your life, mentors, disciples, however you want to phrase it. But they're never going to meet that need. They're never going to meet that need that you have to connect with the God the Father. It's never going to happen. You've got to have that own relationship with them. And it gets, it gets hairy when you expect them to meet that need in you. They were never... I remember one time I was asking God, I was like, God, you know, just about being a pastor and pastoring a church, and I was like, God, I don't know how to, like, father these, you know, people. I, I just was feeling really uh, insufficient, and God said, I never asked you to father them. I asked you to show them the Father. I was like, good word. Good word. Take some pressure off. Thank you. Uh, and. So I want to see our church not only become, it says in Romans 8, it says all of creation is longing for the revealing of the sons of God. But I want to see us not only become sons, I want to see us become a husband to Jesus as a body of Christ. And I also want us to become fathers and mothers. But you have to start with first things first. You, have to, you cannot become a father, a healthy father, if you're not first a son. You can't become a, a healthy mother if you're not first a daughter. All right? So this is a bookcase. We're going to be closing with this. And this bookcase, say it represents Christendom or theology, you know, Christian, Christian theology. And you have... Prophecy is one of the books on the bookcase, all right? You got End Times. It's another book on the bookcase, okay? You got Signs and Wonders. Yeah, it's right there, third shelf. Evangelism. Another book. Inner Healing. Right there. Some people would put Father's Love as another book on the bookshelf or even put it under inner healing. And it, is, it, it does accomplish that. More, you can be changed from an encounter with the Father's Love quicker than even years of, of counseling. But it's not, another, it's not another book on the bookshelf. Father's Love is the bookshelf. It is the bookshelf. It's what carries all of those other things. And so it's the foundation, it's the basis, it's why Jesus came into the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Paul Manwaring says this, the whole Bible can be summed up like this. God wants his kids back. You start from Genesis, <laughs> the history of Israel through the Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus coming to die on the cross 
for humanity. God wants his kids back. And he bankrupted heaven to make sure it would happen. And so this morning we're going to celebrate the, the blood and the body of Jesus in communion. And we'll go from there. So I just had this morning, um, I felt like the Lord, as I was praying um, and celebrating, I felt like he wanted the body of Christ to encounter his love that our city may encounter his loving kindness. And so it's just been like um, burning in me this morning. And, and as that kind of was going through, I um, was thinking about Romans 2, 4, where it says his kindness leads us to repentance. And I just had a picture of just like his kindness takes us by the hand and leads us to repentance. And what is repentance? I think really as, a, as the church, we've started believing that repentance is being sorry. I don't know where that happened, but it's a change of perspective. Repentance is a change of mind. It's, it's turning in a different direction. It's taking a different course. It's, it's that kindness leading you in a new direction to abundant life. And so I think this, for just a second, I want us to think about kindness because I believe that that just as Travis has been talking about the Father's love and how the movement of God, the revival of God is coming, and it's going to be a revival of the Father's love, and it's going to come through his kids. Like, we're going to encounter the Father's love, and through us, the whole world is going to encounter his loving kindness. We get that opportunity, which is so amazing, right? We get to be his hands and feet, because he can just do it. He can just show up. Right, but he chooses to use us. But the two things of kindness that I want to talk about this morning before we take communion is, and I'm sure there's lots of ways that kindness is shown, but one way that kindness is shown is when I have a list of things to do, you know, like pack the kids' lunches, vacuum, um, feed the horses, horse and goats, you know, on my list. I'm driving home. I get home. Travis has fed the horse and goats. Lunches are packed. The house is back. That's kind. It's just really kind, right? He, like, did it for me. Um, also, like, you know, whenever um, I'm pitching a fit, I know y'all can't believe that, but every now and then I pitch a fit, and when I do, I'm angry or I'm grumpy, and Travis lets me win. You know, that's kind. Um, he doesn't, like, fight back with me. He's just like, yeah, if that's how you want to handle that, it's great. Like, you know, and... And that does turn my heart. So those things turn my heart, right? Because, you know, especially if I'm really mean and then Travis isn't mean back. Have y'all ever done that? I got in a fight with someone and they didn't fight back. Usually don't do that till you get married. But like, man, nothing will lead you to repentance like that, okay? That's just free marriage advice right there. Um, so that's kind, right? But it's kind of, it's, it's more um, fun, enjoyable kindness. So um, very quickly, y'all just hang with me because I felt like I was supposed to share this story. When I was about 12 years old, I had been driving since I was about eight. I grew up, I grew up on a farm. And so everyone in my town drove when they were very young. So I'm not like 
it wasn't this big thing like we were against the law, like sneaking out with our parents' cars. It was like we were following our dads to the field in their tractor, and we were driving the grain truck, you know. So it's just what you did in a farm community. So my dad woke me up when I was 12 years old. He woke me up about 5 o'clock in the morning, and in his very serious voice, he said, Jessica, <laughs> you know, I'm asleep. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. Jessica, don't drive anything today. So I'm like, don't drive anything. Like, I, I immediately start crying, and I'm like, what did I do? Like, I'm in trouble. That's how I felt, okay? And he was very serious. He said, if you need anything, you get somebody to come get you. Do not drive anything. We had four-wheelers, go-karts, trucks, tractors, nothing. I could drive nothing, okay? So it's one of those things where you didn't push the limits to. You know, your dad wakes you up at 5 o'clock in the morning and tells you something like that. You're like, yes, sir. So that's what I did. I was kind of that kid. But anyway, so... Um, all day, I'm like, I have a friend over, like a cousin was with me, and I was like, I'm in trouble. Like, I don't know what I did, but I can't drive. So I called my dad's girlfriend and had her come get me, and we went swimming at her house all day. And I was like, I guess my dad, like my dad's a recovering alcoholic, so he would have moments where he went crazy like that. So I was like, maybe he, I don't know. I was like, had no idea what was going on. It was very kind of scary and unknown to me. So when I, um, my dad's girlfriend drove me home, sitting across the street from my house was a brown Chevrolet 1977 pickup truck that I always drove. It had two gas tanks on it. It had a fuel, a diesel fuel tank on the back with a toolbox because we used it to like put gas in tractors and stuff. So I always drove it. It was old, and so it was always at home, full of gas, had two tanks, kind of the emergency vehicle of sorts. It was across the street, sitting right side up. The cab was totally smashed flat, and it was burnt. And I was like, what happened? I had no idea. We didn't have cell phones. I was 12. What happened? So my dad had had a dream the night before that I burn up in that truck. And it just really got all over him. So he woke up the next morning and was like, don't drive anything. Well, I didn't know, right? I didn't know he had had a dream. So my sister came home from the field to pick up a part, and the truck she was in was out of gas. So she got in the brown truck, drove it to the field. Someone hit her. It flipped. She crawled out of a window that was very small and lived without any scratches on her, and the truck blew up. So that's the story. Was my dad mean, or was he kind that morning? Okay, no one has any questions now, right? But if I stop the story and I went to my dad's girlfriend's house and swam, you'd be like, I don't know. Maybe he was mean. You know, maybe he's drinking again. But it was the kindest thing he ever did for me, right? It was so kind. But he took something from me. He was confusing. It was painful. And I feel like sometimes we feel like Jesus isn't kind when he's leading us to repentance. 
right? It, it sometimes feels like that. But I also feel like we have to have Holy Spirit to show us how to be the loving kindness of God. When do we be the loving kindness of Travis doing my chores for me or letting me win? And when do we be the loving kindness that my dad showed me that day? in the people's lives that God has put in front of us. Because he's given us people that are lost, right? We all have people that are lost in our life. So when we take communion this morning, I want us to ask Holy Spirit to remind us of the loving kindness of God. And I want us to ask him to show us how to be that loving kindness to other people. How do we let people blow up on us and be kind and just be ourselves? How do we let people go on their own journey yet say, this is a really bad idea when it is a really bad idea? And sometimes it's just tricky. I can't tell you when to do which way, right? Because I'm not Holy Spirit. I don't know when to do which way. But I do know there's two ways. There's two different types of kindness. They look very different. And I believe they're both equally kind. I honestly think that my dad's kindness is actually kinder. <laughs> and I just remember when I saw that truck being so thankful, I immediately repented. Right? I changed my perspective. I, I got it. I understood what he was doing. I didn't know about the dream then, but I got it. And so I just want to pray for us. I want us to, um, to just, I even thought this morning, I just want us to kind of be here still and present in our mind. I don't want us to be focused on music playing or, or have some kind of make a, a moment for ourselves, but just in the rawness of who Jesus is and God sending him, the perfect lamb to be sacrificed for us that we may repent and that we may be a part of that for other people. So um, we will, um, y'all can go ahead and start coming to get your bread and um, drink. And we'll start over here. And Sarah Catherine, if you want to come. Actually, we may start from the back. That may be easier. Why don't you guys in the back, um, Amber, if you guys want to kind of start and come up. And y'all just come by Rose and get your bread and juice and then we will take communion together.
them in the back if they have communion elements like Jeremy and Amanda. Right there. Jesse gave it to him. Okay. You got it? All right. Well, let's take the, the bread. This, this bread represents the body of Jesus. Instead on the cross, he, he took 39 stripes 
Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes we are healed. And he came to heal every part of you. Your body, soul, spirit, your mind. He came to heal your mind. His side was pierced, blood and water flowed. His body was broken so that we could become unbroken, so we could, we could be healed by him. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken on our behalf. And we remember your sacrifice, Jesus, we, we, and we say thank you for loving us so much that you would lay your life down for us. And we eat the bread in remembrance of you. You may eat. Jesus said to, to drink the, the fruit of the vine in remembrance of him as well. His, his blood, righteous and clean, not stained by sin or anything like that, washes us clean. It removes the defilement of sin, it removes the stronghold of sin from our life. It gives us a clean conscience. We're not racked with shame, guilt. <laughs> we can live free, full of joy, full of peace because of his blood. And he spilled his blood on our behalf. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your blood that's so pure, so clean, and that washes us clean. And we drink this in remembrance of you. If you'll stand up with me. We're just going to have a time of ministry. If our uh, ministry team would come forward. If you need to, if you don't know Jesus, you're, you know, you maybe you've been to a few church services or maybe even grew up in church, but you, you're not sure that you have a relationship with Jesus and you, you want to know him. and Or you may know that he's like, yeah, I've, I don't know Jesus. I definitely don't know Jesus. We, we want to help lead you to him, introduce you to him, because he comes after the one. He's full of mercy. He, he welcomes you with open arms as you seek to, to surrender your life to him. Now, when you come to Jesus, it's an exchange. It's, it's your life for his life. So it means you, you surrender to what he asks of you. We surrender to what's written in the word of God. We subject ourselves to the word of God. And it's because we trust. You know what? Jesus and, and, and the Father, they know what's best for me. I'm going to trust God. I'm going I'm to trust his leadership in my life. And I'm going to follow him because I know he loves me. And I love him. So we'd love to help you with that. If you need prayer for any physical healing, any, and you just, or you just need an agreement with prayer for, for anything else, we'd love to, to pray with you. So we're going to worship the a little while longer. You can now come down and receive ministry as well during this time. So. Yeah, how beautiful. 
is your blood it makes me clean oh how beautiful is your blood it sets me free how beautiful how beautiful is your sacrifice how beautiful how beautiful is your sacrifice you lay down your
You rose again, rose again. So did I with you. So did I with you. Crucified, dead, and buried. You rose again, rose again. So did I with you. Lord, thank you. We, uh, Jeremy got a, a word to pray. In, I feel like we need to pray into, so I'm just gonna let him share, and then we'll go from there. So while we were worshiping, uh, just heard the Lord say that He's lifting the spirit of aneurysm. So if you know of anybody in your family or friends, or even you yourself, if there's a history of aneurysm or blood clots in your family line, um, let's just think of those people and give them to the Lord right now um, as we pray. So. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are at work, Father. Jesus, thank you that you have come and your blood is running through our veins, Jesus. Thank you that we have been given a new bloodline, not the line of Adam, but the line of Jesus. Um, we are restored to Eden, God, and so we just know that there is no sickness, there is no death in your kingdom. And so, Father, we just declare right now, Lord, that you Break chains of aneurysm or blood clots, Father. Break them in Jesus' name right now. Um, you have all power and authority, and so we just speak to, to capillaries and arteries and veins wherever you are. We just say release in Jesus' name. Um, we just plead the blood of Jesus in your body, and we declare that you have been given a new bloodline in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's good. God bless you guys. Uh, forgot to do this earlier, but if you wish to give to the awakening, this is an easy way to do it. You can text give to this number that's up on the screen. That's the way you can do it digitally. It'll give you, it'll prompt you with instructions once you text that. And then we also have cash or check in the back. There's a tithe box if you wish to give that way. Bless you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day with your family and friends, wherever you're going. And, uh, Love y'all. We'll see you next time. Hang on.